1: Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy Jonathan Macri with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast coming at you on a Wednesday in the middle of August. But listen, this is Knicks basketball, baby. There are no downtimes. There are no breaks. Um, we just keep going after it because there's always stuff to talk about. There's always news. Uh, there is always something to be, you know. Teeth sinkable is that a, is that a word? I think I just made it up. Uh, something to sink our teeth into. Um, this week is certainly no exception. Today's guest, Adam Taylor of Celtics Blog. Um, he is, of course, a returning guest, uh, a very good friend of mine. Brought him on today to speak about uh, two new Knicks editions, notably Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. Um And uh, we got into all kinds of fun stuff, a really good conversation, very informative from someone who watched uh, both Kemba and uh, Evan play every one of their games uh, for the Celtics, in uh, Kemba's case over the last two years, in Evan's case uh, over just uh, the second half of last season. So that conversation is coming up in a bit, and boy, couldn't have timed it better because what happened on Tuesday? Well, Mr. Walker and Mr. Fournier – We're introduced to the assembled media masses at none other than the world's most famous arena. It was a, uh, oh boy, it was a star-studded affair with Fat Joe decked out in his finest white home jersey, uh, Kemba Walker jersey. Um, There's a picture I saw on Twitter before of him smiling with Kemba Walker and Tom Libideau. What universe am I living in? Uh, I don't know, but it's a good one. Um, fun press conference. Uh, there was a lighthearted moment where, uh, Mr. Uh, Mark Berman asked Kemba what the plan was for him playing this season. Would he play back to backs or whatever? And he, he quickly deferred to Tibbs, who merely replied he's playing. Of course he is. What else would we expect Tibbs to say? Um, but it was a good presser. Um, uh, they both went up to the uh, top of the Empire State Building later in the day, and it was a nice interview that aired, uh, courtesy of Ian Bagley at SNY, with Kemba Walker. You know, I mean, look, put, putting aside the uh, pomp and circumstance of it all, uh, as these press conferences tend to tend to be, um, two things are important. One. This is just a reminder. The Knicks got a lot better <laughs> this offseason. Uh, for as much as we fretted about how they would get better and how much they would spend to get better before the year started, uh, before the, the summer started, excuse me, um, they got better at a reasonable cost. And um, it seems like both of these guys are really excited to play here. And I think just as significantly, you know, it's. Been a while since the Knicks could wholeheartedly trot out some free agent signees and bring all the media together and actually puff out their chest a little bit and be like, yeah, you know what? We did pretty good this summer. Um you know, the the last time I, I would say that they did something like this in terms of and it wasn't even really a press conference because it was thrown together and it was, I think, outside of MSG or whatever, was when Amari signed here. Um, and, you know, that's where we got the famous uh, the Knicks are back. Um Long live Amare. But, you know, you you think back to the summer of 2018, they signed, obviously, some good players. They signed Marcus Morris. They signed Julius Randle, NBA champion Bobby Portis, of course. Um, Taj Gibson, the whole... I think Reggie Bullock was there that day. Um, But, like, you know, it was like a sad little affair. They put up a little Knicks banner or a little Knicks, you know, uh, backdrop. Um, It was not what they were expecting. And there was definitely a lack of pride in the air that day, which was just two short years ago, it's it really is amazing all that has happened in the last two years. Where the Knicks can now have a press conference where they say, "Yeah, we're bringing these two guys who are pretty good to a team that is pretty good." Um, and if you needed any confirmation that this is there is some legitimacy to this, uh, the NBA announced. Uh, On Tuesday, that the Knicks would be playing not only on one of its opening week uh, marquee games, opening against the Celtics in the Kemba Walker uh, revenge game, um, but also playing on Christmas Day. Back on Christmas Day, where they belong, where so many of us have so many memories of you know whether they be Knicks Bulls. uh, For those a little bit older than me, I'm I'm 38. You know, you think back to Bernard King, but. You know, even you know mellow on Christmas day, the Knicks are the Knicks belong on Christmas, and the Knicks are going to be on Christmas once again, playing of course the Atlanta Hawks they will be an msg for for those games um, it 's good to see and it 's a good reminder that last season 's effect um, is significant, and that the Knicks are back to being. You know they're not at the top of the league, no one thinks that they're at the top of the league they're not among the the true contenders, but they're you know one tier right below that um and that's important, and that's important for a lot of reasons and If you listen to the show on a regular basis, you know what those reasons are uh i won't get into them now, but um so that we had that bit of news um we also had a bit of news in regards to how exactly the Knicks brought in um Evan Fournier, so it was announced. Uh, I think it was first reported uh, by um, a, a few outlets. Reported, I want to say, Woj well, probably had this first. Um, that they got Evan Fournier in a sign and trade with Boston. So, if you're asking yourself, "Well, what is a sign and trade? Why did they do it?" Um, anytime you're a team that signs and trades a player. Any amount that you don't have, or you take the amount that you're sending out. So in this case, it's Evan Walk, uh, Evan Fournier's uh, first year salary, and you subtract the amount that you're getting back, and what's left is a trade exception. That's roughly how the math works out. So in this case, the Knicks trade or the Celtics signed uh, Evan Fournier and then traded him to the Knicks for. Nothing. <laughs> they they traded him to the Knicks uh, for, I think it was, uh, there was a little bit of cash involved. It was like a hundred grand. And they also sent back two second round picks for um, the trouble. Now, again, you're asking yourself why. So the easier answer is for the Knicks. Why did they agree to do a sign and trade um with Boston. They got two second round picks back, but really it's one second round pick because the one of the second round picks, as was reported by Keith Smith in the deal, is a top 55 protected second round pick from the Charlotte Hornets that the uh, Celtics had acquired in another transaction. Uh, That is a 2022 second rounder that if it lands in the top 55, it does not convey. So either the Hornets are going to shock the world and become um, one of the five best teams in the league next year, in which case the Knicks will have themselves a pick between 56 and 60, or they will not have themselves any pick. Um, that's one of the picks. The other pick, it's a little bit complicated. I'll try to explain it as best I can. Um, the Knicks will receive from Boston either the worse of... Washington or Oklahoma City's 2023 second round pick or the better of Miami's or Dallas's 2023 second round pick. Simplest way to look about look at this is if we assume that uh, two seasons from now, the Heat and Mavericks will both be better than the Wizards and and Thunder. Essentially, the Knicks are going to end up with the better of either Dallas's second round pick or Miami's second round pick. What is that going to be? I don't know. Is it going to be the 50th pick in the draft? Is it going to be the 45th pick in the draft? Probably something in that range. Those those teams are, are both pretty good. Um, so did they get a lot for this sign and trade? No, um, not really. But the, the alternative was To get nothing, and it's just to sign Evan Fournier using cap space. So, from New York's perspective, it's basically like something is better than nothing. From Boston's perspective, um, they now get a set what has been reported as a seventeen point one million dollar trade exception, which um, basically means that they could trade for a player and send out salary and take out take that player's salary into that trade exception as long as the player's salary does not exceed $17.1 million. Uh, this is not a Celtics podcast, so I'm not going to get into the ins and outs of who they might be looking to acquire with that trade exception. Um, suffice it to say, uh, I think the Celtics are thinking about how they can go about getting in the Bradley Beal st- sweepstakes next summer. My guess is, Is that they will try to acquire a player into that trade exception at some point in the next year, because they have a year to use it, and then maybe try to flip that player and an additional player in a Bradley Beal sign and trade next summer. The Celtics have long been rumored to be um, at the head of the Bradley Beal sweepstakes, uh, mostly due to Bradley Beal's connection with uh, Jason Tatum and their friendship and the whole thing. They were obviously on the Olympic team together this summer. Um, So... Uh, that is that. You know, you could argue that the Knicks shouldn't have agreed to do the sign and trade because this might help the Celtics ever so slightly either assemble a better trade package for Beal in a year from now or whatever. I mean, you know, I read into that however much you you wish. Um, To me, I, I don't, think I ever thought the Knicks were uh, in the Beale sweepstakes. I still don't really think they're in the Beale sweepstakes, and uh, I'd be surprised if they ended up with him um, moving forward. Okay, so that's that. We also had another bit of news uh, involving Taj Gibson, the great Taj Gibson, uh, one and only Taj Gibson. His deal, which was originally reported as a uh, one-year contract for the Veterans Minimum, uh, which in his case, because he's, he's played quite a few years, uh, would be like three point something million dollars is actually going to be a two year deal. I believe it's fully guaranteed, although we haven't gotten firm reporting on that for the full room exception. So that's four point nine million dollars this year and uh, I believe five point two million dollars. Um, in the 2022-23 season. Why did the Knicks do this? Well, one, it's doing a solid to Taj Gibson, who's been everything they could have asked for and more. And quite frankly, um, was probably the second best player on their team during the during the playoffs against Atlanta. Um, $5 million for him this season and next season is, I would argue, a bargain. Um, but really, this was a matter of the Knicks had their room exception sitting there. They have a roster full of Uh, fully guaranteed players. They're basically their first unit, their second unit, the two rookies, Kevin Knox and Taj Gibson, all on guaranteed contracts with Luca Vildoza presumably fighting it out with um, Dwayne Bacon for the final roster spot. Um, They had this money. They weren't going to spend this money anywhere else. Uh, It's not like you can aggregate the room exception with something else. Uh, Let's say a player outgoing in a trade or whatever. It's like you, you have it, to use or you you lose it so they used it and they're doing a salad for Taj Gibson um and and that's perfectly fine by me uh the one thing that I know we've spoken about on this pod over the the course of the last several weeks is the math in terms of Jeremy has really been on this about the possibility that they would not be able to make all their signings work without waiving Luca Vildoza um I won't get into the weeds of this. Some contract numbers on, for instance, on Fournier, on Rose, on um, Burks have not been reported yet. It's a possibility that those guys sign for less than what's reported, in which case maybe Vildoza doesn't need to be cut. Um, but our thinking all along was that they would waive him to accommodate the other signings and then re-sign him back into the room exception. That obviously cannot happen now because the room exception is going to Taj. Uh, does this mean the end of uh, the other Luca in New York? I don't know. I guess we'll find out in the last few weeks or in the next few weeks. Um, but um, suffice it to say, I do not think this is any anything anybody should be losing uh, any sleep over. Last thing, um, I would be remiss if I did not mention the um, runner up for this season's MVP, Joel Embiid, uh, signed a supermask extension which is going to uh, keep him under contract with the, uh, well, with, with somebody, uh, possibly the Sixers, possibly somebody else, if he decides to ask for a trade at some point, um, through the 20, uh 27 season, although that last season is a player option, but he's going to be under contract for a while. Um, I want to mention this just because, you know, I know that there are a lot of Knicks fans who have a lot of feelings about what the Knicks did this summer in terms of tying up their cap space for at least the next two years Um, and maybe some other Knicks fans who are, you know, annoyed at the constant conversation about what star are we going to trade for and, you know, what young players are we going to send out in a trade and why can't we just enjoy this team and, and the whole thing? Which, by the way, I want to do, and I'm very excited for this team to play this year, and I don't want to trade away anybody in the next year. But the Embiid Supermax signing is just the latest reminder, as as is, by the way, quite frankly, the way Boston has operated. Like, they basically decided to punt on the possibility of cap space for next summer to uh, try to acquire their clear number one free agent target. They just signed Marcus Smart to an extension. So it's like teams don't operate anymore Under this guise of let's get cap space, and then somebody will want to take our money. You know, we saw it with um, Miami um, guaranteeing Dragic, only to then ship him out in the Kyle Lowry sign and trade. It's cap space. I'm not going to say it has no value anymore. It has some value, um, but it's more value in theory. Than in actuality, if you want to, if you want to look at me and say, "Well, why is it such a priority that the Knicks, you know, have all of these expiring contracts in 2023?" My answer to you is simply that money coming off the books sooner rather than later is always appealing, unless, of course, you're talking about a superstar, because those contracts not only are more appealing to you as your franchise, but they are more appealing to some other franchise who might be akin uh, or, or might be, you know looking to trade a star and just get back a lot of flexibility so they can reshuffle their deck sooner rather than later. Um, Flexibility is never a bad thing, um, which is why you're still going to see teams prioritize shorter contracts for, you know, again, anything less than star players, but just, you know, again, the, the Embiid extension, it's a reminder. If you want to get a superstar player in this league, you either have to be lucky enough to draft one um, or you're gonna probably have to trade for one, um, and those are those are those are the two realities of of the way. Things exist in the NBA um, right now, but we don't have to worry about that right now because we have a super fun Nick team to root for over the next uh, at least season. We just saw them ball out in summer league. Uh, huge shout outs to Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride. Those two kids killed it. Um, Ob quickly obviously had some nice summer league performances as well. Jericho Sims could be my third string center any day, and uh,
0: lots of good stuff to look forward to.
1: Uh, I don't know how many times this person has been my co-host on assorted podcasts, but I just, every time I have an excuse to bring him on to talk about literally anything basketball related or otherwise, I do it. Um, You can find his stuff on Celtics blog. Um, He's great. All the way from jolly old England, Adam
3: Taylor. Hello, Adam. I love it when you introduce me, man. It's like a huge ego boost. I'm just like, dude, he said I'm great. This is awesome. Well, you are great. A jolly old England, England, sad England, wherever you want to look at it. Unfortunately, I'm not where you are, but I'm always happy to be sharing a microphone with you, buddy, man. And you know what? We need to figure out a way to do a podcast about something not basketball related.
1: What would we what would that podcast be about? I don't know. Uh um, dads. Here's the thing. I don't people like, where do you get the time to do like what you do? I don't have any other interests really. I I like movies, <laughs> but I'm not like a movie. Not because I just, I don't have time to watch. I don't watch any TV. I don't really, I don't, I I couldn't name five artists that are making music today. I don't know what else we would talk about. I, I like to read books. I don't have time to read books though. Like I said, life at that. The life of
3: basketball dads, that's a good Life what of basketball
1: dads is a good one. That's actually, you know what? Maybe that's the next level of like, that's the Patreon. That's like the $100 tier. You pay $100 a, a month to hear two dads bitch about their lives about having to balance fatherhood and watching basketball. I'm sure people would just,
3: in droves, sign up for that. I'm telling you, dude, there's probably like a million people out there wanting to do what you do and what I'm trying to do. That have kids, and we just have gems for them. Like lock them in gems. the room, just put food under the door, like they're in jail. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking here. <laughs> My,
1: I, we're we're really getting off track early. My uh, very quickly, I, I will never forget. Early on, I was. I, I was doing a guest spot on somebody's podcast that I didn't feel. I, I was home alone watching my daughter and she was like two at the time, maybe a little bit more. Well, how old is a kid when they could eat ice cream two 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 and a half? Yeah. About that. Something like that. Whatever. She was old enough to eat ice cream. And I didn't feel comfortable telling the person who had asked me to be a guest on the show that like this time doesn't work for me. Could we use another time? Could we do another time? And so And my daughter was like acting up and I just went in the fridge. I got the carton of ice cream or out of the freezer, got the carton of ice cream out of the freezer. I handed her the carton of ice cream and a spoon. And I was like, just and I was like, just please be quiet for 15 minutes. And it worked. And she had the carton of ice cream and I did whatever the
3: podcast was that I had to do. Do you know what the worst thing about that entire story is? In about fifteen what? years' time, she's gonna look back on that as one of her fondest moments. I remember my dad just gave me a whole gallon of ice cream, and he just let me eat it and said, "Don't tell <laughs> me. A gallon. And re- a- realistically, you did it for so many reasons that you don't want to have to admit. But that she's gonna be telling that story to her friends as one of the yeah. reasons why her dad's the coolest, which is hilarious because you're just like, I feel so guilty about this. Listen,
1: um, her dad is not the coolest. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the bad cop, so I don't think I'm the, I'm the cool parent. But. Oh, really? uh, I'm the good cop. Okay. Um which <laughs> Yeah, always, I just saw Andrew's note Okay Let's talk about some basketball um, So
3: you're uh, You obviously cover the hold Celtics Hold on, hold on John Yes This is a podcast You have to now say the note To your
0: audience That they no <laughs> <It's> idea What <laughs> I'm the read Thank you so Adam.
1: I, Andrew just tries I didn't realize we were opening With Parent Corner Yes <laughs> Simmons and uh, Joe House Close Or who is it Joe? It's No it's not Joe Sal. House It's because Sal, Sal that they do it yeah. Closes
3: with Parent Corner We're opening with Parent Corner we I mean you. I'm going to be quite honest here we don't get therapy is not really a thing out here so this is this is cathartic for me that's great that's great happy to do it and as the non-parent here today i'm very much not looking forward to this world that you guys have presented although you know i guess we'll see I'm nearly 11 years in man it's uh it's easier at this point. I just get slammed doors and rolled eyes. It's fine. <laughs> it's it's the, it's
1: the most beautiful thing that'll ever happen to your life that will also uh, effectively ruin your life.
3: Um <laughs> ruin your bank balance. I don't know about life. <laughs> uh, but, uh,
1: but I digress. Okay, basketball. Adam, you uh you cover the Celtics. Uh as you I
3: attempt to cover the Celtics yes.
1: You do and you and you do it very well. So obviously you're on here because um, I don't even know if like an hour is going to be enough time to talk about it, but um, it, obviously Ines Kanter is back on Boston. So let's, let's go through the
3: stages of grief. <laughs> I was delighted. Are you an Ines Kanter guy? I'm a Ines Cantor's better for the Celtics than Christian Thompson guy.
1: Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Um, so yeah, congratulations. You got him back. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, all you had to give up was, was, was Kemba Walker and and Evan Fournier. Let's start here cuz there's a lot of different directions we could go with this conversation. Um and I just want to ask you generally and I have a feeling I know what the answer is going to be but um I want your your take. Of Kemba and Fournier, are you disappointed to lose both guys? One guy, neither guy? And if the answer is like that you're lo- disappointed to lose both guys, who who would you who are you more disappointed to lose? Putting yeah, aside, actually let's put aside the contract for a second just as players for put aside the money
3: i think i'm more disappointed to lose fournier than i am to lose kemba
1: that's what i figured you'd say okay yeah so why i is think that?
3: that fournier offers you consistency in terms of he doesn't have a gen- degenerative knee issue to have to manage i think that's a very important factor um you might say. More, more importantly for me like um you Kemba is scoring. That's what you're getting from Kemba Walker, scoring and leadership. Fournier can give you a bit of playmaking. And he can operate in the seams a little bit more than what Kemba does. And defensively, he's not a target when, when you get deep into a playoff series where teams are really just going to co- go route one and just continually try and get switches onto Kemba. So I think that Fournier just offers you a little bit more versatility than what Kemba does. And for that reason, I'm, and he's cheaper, so I'm a little bit sad about that.
1: Well, the money, obviously, so he made... Last season, I think he made exactly half Kemba, rough, or whatever, where whereabouts, approximately, yeah. approximately half what Kemba made. Um, that's what I figured you'd say. Um, so, you know what? We'll save, we'll save Kemba for a bit. Let's let's talk about Fournier. I was, and I don't know if we ever had the Fournier conversation this season, um, but I was. Not a huge Fournier guy, mostly because I paid attention to the playoff failures. Um, I just never got the sense that he's like, you know, a guy that you you, you want, you know, in those, in those huge moments, in those huge games. I've come around a little bit more now because I think he was miscast in, in the role that he had in Orlando. With you guys, he was – well, let me ask you. When he was on the floor, would you say he was there – Was he their third best player? Was he their fourth best player? What what role did he slide into with Boston?
3: I mean, it's tough, man, because most of the time he was on the floor, Jalen Brown was injured. So we didn't really get to see how that kind of shook out long term. Um, I think when everyone's healthy, he was your fourth best guy because Kemba Walker is still going to demand more touches than what Evan Fournier is. And the reason that the Celtics moved for Fournier was because he can operate in that supplementary role as like a fourth guy who can play more offboard and create lanes off ball but for most of the season he was second and third just for the time he was in Boston anyway simply because of the way the injuries shook out so it was kind of it was really hard to get a gauge on where he would actually fit long term
1: did you because we we get so this is where we get into like the nitty-gritty and I don't know because I don't watch these teams the the Magic and and the Celtics on, on a regular basis at least like you hear the term "secondary playmaker" thrown around. We toss that that phrase around all the time in in the NBA. It's like it's what you want. You want all the guys on your floor on the floor, with the exception of like the center, probably, to be able to put the ball on the floor, make a play, make the right pass. And I, I feel like there's a difference between guys who can do it and guys who actually do it and like so Bogdanovich is a guy that I feel like we watch this year as Nick fans and in this playoff series it's like I even heard her to 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 an extent you know guys who not only like they had the cap, they had the ability to do it but they always did actually make the right play did you for you was Fournier that guy or or, or the guy who actually like you felt like when he was on the floor the correct basketball decision was going to be made more often than not
3: yeah, I don't recall ever being there on, uh, in front of my TV screen saying that was a boneheaded play. Really? There were to- yeah, there were times where I felt like there was a better option available. But at the same time, you kind of have to ask yourself, like, how easy was it for him to make that read? I'm looking okay. from a bird's eye view rather than on the floor. There was never a time where I'm like, man, that was a clear pass and he took his own shot. I always felt like he was making the best basketball read that he could he could see if that makes sense. So rather than what what, what we can see, I mean, I think that's a, a big flaw with everybody watching the games and saying he should have made that pass is Well, when you're actually on the floor, can you see that pass? And for putting myself in those shoes, I feel like he makes the smartest basketball play available to what he can see going on at the time.
1: I I think that's kind of how I felt about Alec Burks this year. Uh Burks was a guy who like there were there a, were there some shots that were like okay, that's a tough shot. Maybe, you know, it didn't go down. Um but you you got it and he for me like earned it because we see Alec Burks make tough shots just like I'm I know just by looking at his effective field goal percentage, like Evan Fournier has made tough shots, like he's done that throughout his career.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where for me it's like I don't want you being in a position where you're consistently taking a a low percentage shot and making them because that's just it's look-adjusted field goal percentage at that point. Um, For me, it's more along the lines of is that the only shot available? And nine times out of ten, when Fournier shot, it was either early offense that made sense or it was because he'd put himself in a position where a shooting opportunity was the best shot available at that time. I rarely felt like he was forcing it. When he first came back from COVID, he had a real bad game. I think he went like, 0 for eleven or 0 for twelve from the field, but he'd just come back from COVID. He didn't have his legs under him as he worked his way up into that, like into a physical stamp from a physical standpoint. Uh, the, that shot selection became completely fine. He's got no problem taking. Uh, if you run him off the line, he's got no problem driving to the hoop, and he does play make. He does look for the best option available. Uh, I do like him. I was kind of sad when when it became apparent he wasn't going to be coming back.
1: Well, let me ask you because we we discussed it. Um... I discussed it on another pod I did earlier this week. Um, I'm, I am under the impression that if, if Boston did not have the tax issue that it, that it has, where it was skirting up against the tax, Fournier could very well be a Celtic still. Is that the same read that you're getting from the reporting,
3: which I'm sure you, you know more than me? I mean, I think it was more to do with length of contracts. I think that they, don't, they wanted X amount of years. Fournier, Fournier wanted X amount of years, and maybe a little bit more money got put on the table from a New York side. Okay, um, which we had more. We had more to give. Brad Stevens has been very vocal about financial flexibility. Everyone in Boston media and Boston fandom are convinced it's Bradley Beal that they're chasing. Uh, I'm cautioning against that dramatically. Uh, no offense to Knicks fans, but I just think that if you spend every season staying fle- financially flexible for a star, you end up going down a Knicks route.
1: Listen, you're you're. Preaching the choir on that one. Like, I'm, I'm the one who's been praising our offseason and we basically kicked any, like, on paper, all of our flexibility is gone for next offseason. My thinking, and it sounds like it may be yours too, is like, just be a better team and, like, you'll figure out a way to do to, to move the salaries if you need to move the salaries. So that's, you know.
3: Yeah, exactly. These guys are mass geniuses. They'll make that stuff work. So not offering Fournier that deal to me does feel a little bit frugal from my standpoint for the Celtics. I feel like if it's a, if we're talking two, three million dollars, why not have just spent that extra bit of money to keep Fournier around because of what he gives you? But again, um, from the reporting that I've read and listened to and seen like, you know, with people doing video casts and stuff. Look how old I am, a video cast. Uh, it does seem like <laughs> Brad Stevens had um, a hard stop on a set number. I and mean, then once New York came in with a number above that, it was kind of like, well, you've surpassed my hard stop, So we're not going to get out of that.
1: Okay. Yeah, no that that makes sense. I did. Stevens like Fournier. Like I,
3: I, I'm assuming he did. I mean, Stevens don't tell you if he likes anyone. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't tell you anything, dude. Like, um, I thought he liked Kemba. Kemba was the first guy that got moved. So maybe that's maybe he did like him, but he just knew that Kemba wasn't going to be the guy to take him forward. Um, honestly, Brad Stevens is so like um closed off in that regard like he's so monotone as well that you you, re- you rarely get to pick anything up off the way his voice changes or anything Are are you are you out on the president are you out yeah, on i Brian? like him you i do, like him yeah but i've got some uh, i've been working on today um basically just saying like a plan is a plan until it comes to fruition and i just don't like the way that everything is already gearing up to next summer um, i'm just not excited for a year of subpar uh, especially when you've got two superstars to keep happy. You, th- what is?
1: Oh, see, this is uh, we're gonna we'll, we'll get back to Kevin in a second. But I, I'm curious. You, a Celtics fan, who again, I know you haven't been a fan for you know you're not in your 50s or 60s, so you don't remember. You weren't there for like the championship years in the 80s. You've only seen like one one title. But like, what is your definition of subpar? Because I have a feeling it's different than
3: my definition of subpar. <laughs> No, my, you see, now that's subjective, right? To the players it is that subjective. you're trying. It's, it's, for me, it's subjective to the players you're trying to keep happy. Subpar so with two, two all-star wings is anything less than a fourth seed. Because okay. you've got two all-stars that you that are already the clock sticking on their new contracts that you need to keep happy. You're already
1: worried. I'm not putting words in your mouth. You said you're already worried about keeping Jason Tatum happy.
3: I think you you didn't do well last year. That's fine. It's understandable. It's a COVID season. If you make that two years in a row, now you, now if I was Jason Tatum, I'd be looking like, well, let's see how year three goes. But if it's if you if you struggle next year and you strike out in free agency, well, now that's not a bad season. Now it's a trend and wow. something. And then if that was me, I'd be like, hey, I, I'm Jason Tatum. I want I want to be playing for championships.
1: I'll be honest with you, the the Beal thing would scare the shit out of me. Which is which is again part of why I'm very happy the Knicks. You know, say whatever. What we're talking about, Fournier. We're talking about Kemba. Say what you want about them. Say what you want about the guys the Knicks resigned. I'm just like I feel good about the possibility that the Knicks are going to have you know a decent basketball season this year. You know what what who knows what's going to lead, and it's not just going to be like okay. We're we're all in again for this is now the f- umpteenth summer in a row. It feels like I mean it's not really the case. It just but it, this it is just where
3: like, I don't want the Celtics to end up, right? Like Wash, if you look at the way Washington are constructed right now, the way they've kind con- see now, I've praised Washington for the last few weeks because I
1: kind of like what they did. Yeah, I'm, I mean, did. I'm
3: big I'm a dim- big Dinwiddie guy though. But if you look at like other teams, like look at look at Portland right now. They know Dame is disgruntled. There's a chance Dame comes in and puts a trade a trade, a trade he's, request he's definitely in. not gruntled. He's he's the opposite of gruntled. He's what you think? You think he's happy? He's where not he gruntled. He <laughs> <laughs> okay, so but say like but Portland know this. Portland know that that Dame isn't happy in that situation or whatever it may be. Yeah. But they make no moves. To, to kind of give him that competitive team. Washington are like, right, Beale's made making slight hints that he might f- see his future elsewhere. Do you know what we're going to do? We're going to make ourselves competitive. We're going to strike a deal that's going to bring us uh, KCP, that's one of Beal's best boys. We're going to bring in Kyle Kuzma, that is a very good role player. And we're going to bring in Dinwiddie. They've become competitive on a rebuild at the same time. And to me, that means now that Beal's chances of leaving next year, when you also had the few million reasons to stay in terms of a supermax, just it, it starts to decrease quite quickly. And uh, being all in on him now for the Celtics just it is a risky business.
1: And the other, the other thing, and well, then we'll get back to the, the players we're here to talk about, like with with Beal, because it does have to do with the Knicks, right? Is is you know if you're Beal. And you're looking. You you said you brought up Dame, right? If you're looking at what's going on over in Portland, where Dame Lillard has four, three years plus a, a a player option, so it's effectively three years left on his contract. And he, again, I've been saying it for weeks. Like if he if that dude walks into Neil O'Shea's office and like, okay, you're going to trade me now. What the fuck do you think Neil O'Shea is going to do? Be like, no, no, he's going to trade him. He's going to trade him the, the day he walks in there and asks that. Beal, he could sign. The supermax. It's not technically the supermax. It's it's like whatever shades um, below. Yeah, yeah, yeah wh- whatever. It's a very large contract. <laughs> Bill could sign that next summer. It could be a four plus one, for obviously with a player option. And then uh, he, it, what is he deciding to do there? He's deciding to essentially give Washington another year. That's all yeah. he's giving because then a year from when he signs it, it's going to be essentially three years left on the deal. And then if he doesn't like how things went in that year, he's like, okay, putting you guys on notice. You have until this trade deadline. At that point, it's going to be two and a half before I could leave, and you're you're going to move me. And and guess what? They're going to do it because he's been loyal. He stayed with them the whole time. Like that's why I I would be a little worried if I was a if I was a Boston fan. You know, going all in on on that summer.
3: Because what package do you have then? You've got one year contracts, they expire this summer. You don't get Beal. So now you have to go and pivot and pick up whoever you need to pick up to make your team competitive. But that... <laughs> I'm
0: smart, baby. Four but, for but 80, here does, we go.
3: But where does it go then? So then Bill in 18 months turns around and says I won out, but Boston's package is no longer good. So it does. Uh, for me, it's just a really dangerous game to be playing in just putting all your eggs in that one basket.
1: Well, so they did put all their eggs in this basket and part of putting all their eggs in this in that basket was moving on from uh one Kemba Walker who uh notably did make an All-Star team in a Boston uniform. I, I think it was you know, it was he was not probably one of the first, you know, selections. That's where it all went downhill, dude. From that All-Star game.
3: From that All-Star game, from that game, he was never the same Kemba Walker.
1: So let's you want to let's go back to that season. So Up up until that All Star Game, he had played. I mean, I think that was that was when the All Star Game was still like traditional. It was after like fifty games or so. Um, He had a pretty, really, very good season in the first half of the season in Boston, right?
3: Yeah, he was he was Kemba Walker. He was everything you'd expect getting Kemba Walker from Charlotte. You were getting Kemba Walker. There was a few bedding in problems to begin with, you know, figuring out who went where, Mm. what roles everyone played. Uh, you but see, not re- not
1: not problems that you couldn't overcome um, is what I'm gleaning. Yeah,
3: and they were, and the team were doing well. They were succeeding. That was still the Haywood season, if I remember correctly. Yes, you know, you still had Haywood having the best season he'd had in a Celtics uniform as well. Everything was coming up roses, and then Nick Nurse got his hands on him in that All Star game, and Nick Nurse put a curse on Kemba that's never been lifted. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing.
1: Nick Nurse seems like he's he seems like a shasty guy. He seems like a guy who could put
3: you know put a little bit of a hex it's voodoo dude i'm telling you dude i don't know how else he won a championship and how else he bust up Kemba.
1: so i so again i i've been i've mostly spent my time studying his injuries from from last year i did not go so far back as to the first season he was in boston i'm just looking at his basketball reference page the game log now he missed the first one two three four five played a game and then missed another one after that all-star break what what, do what happened the knee inflammation
3: started like that's um, when it's
1: it literally started at the also okay
3: I, yeah wow. yeah so the knee inflammation started after there there was people saying that nurse played him a few too many minutes uh, at that point in time um from a celtic standpoint and like um from a fandom standpoint and reporting standpoint it was very much just hey this is knee soreness. It's manageable. There's some swelling. We're going to give Kemba Walker time to heal. Okay. And then obviously the league got shut down because that's when COVID read its head. And everyone then was like, Kemba's going to have so much time to rest that knee and get it right and get on a strength and conditioning program. And then the news started coming out. Kemba's knee is worse than first four. Maybe it's arthritic. Maybe it's ligaments. He's going to need surgery in the off season. He's still unable to put weight on this knee. And from there that kind of started to build up into a bigger and bigger Kemba Walker knee issue. And I actually released a podcast saying, let's talk about Kemba's knees. Like, because it was that big of a, a how, how was point. that received? Uh, I don't know. I didn't look, I just kind of put it into the ether and left it there. I done it with Kyrie too. It's a good move. Um, but it was definitely like, for me, it was like, um, you know they moved Kyrie when they when they had Kyrie the second year of Kyrie's season uh, second Kyrie season in Boston. There was issues with his knees, and part of me believes that some of the reason they moved on from Kyrie, other, other than the locker room issues, was because they felt that knee issue would become degenerative in a year or two down the line, and then they get Campbell Walker. I was about and- to say
1: something unkind about Kyrie, but I'm not going to say it.
3: Oh come on, because I want to I want to giggle.
1: No. I can't I would be I, I don't wish ill on any
3: person, even someone does it, that does I a chat feature. I, just send it to me personally.
1: I'll <laughs> I'll send a deal with her. Um shout out to Kyrie Irving. What a what a just a bastion of humanity. Um okay. So <laughs>
3: Andrew's face <laughs> Andrew is a picture, dude.
1: There really is. No comment. There you go. That's <laughs> it. All right. Uh, that's, that is the new slogan of Nick's Full Podcast. No comment.
2: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Go to Bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
1: So I'm just looking um, before the All-Star break uh, of not this year, again, his first season in Boston. uh, Kemba was shooting... Just about thirty nine percent from deep, um, and then he mis- played one, two, three, four games um, before the bubble. Um, his came back. His his shooting was kind of tailing off, but again, it was only uh, four games, so who knows? In the bubble, in like the regular the, the regular season bubble, like the, the non playoff games in the bubble, it was, only, it was only six games. I'm looking. He shot uh forty-three percent from deep. Um and then in the playoffs, like obviously you guys went to the conference finals and you, you, you took Miami to, to six games and he played notably in all of those games. Um, you know, averaged almost 20 points a game, five assists. But again the three point percentage. I, I've I've tried I'm like I've been studying his numbers especially from last season and I feel I feel like the the three point percentage to me and i don't know that i have any logic behind this whatsoever but that to me is like is that an indicator to how he's feeling physically because it seems like it ebbs in, it, and flows
3: yeah so he's very much a rhythm guy from what i gathered during his time like um he was missing back-to-backs all last season yes um, that we know. he sat every back-to-back his first game back off one of those back-to-backs was usually a poor shooting night interesting uh, that, that was a general kind of observation that I made obviously there's exceptions to that rule there were games where he came off a of back to back and played well but as a general rule of thumb after a missed game he it just knocked him out of rhythm his best games came when there was like a five six stretch uh, five to ten game stretch where there were no back to backs and he built that rhythm that continuity within the offense and then he would start firing away and actually being consistent from free um, but it is definitely how he's feeling he he definitely relies a lot on his lower body to generate his shot um, I know some guys are more like um hips and torso, but Kemba definitely relies on his legs. so when that knee's injured and he has spoke about this as well, like um he said, um there's moments in time where he makes a move and before he makes it, he's already anticipating it to hurt. so that kind of that that extra split second gotcha. now means his reaction ties are a bit slower. so um, yeah, I do think that he's more of a rhythm guy than he than he is um like how he's feeling physically he'll push through the pain but if he's not in rhythm as well then he's going to be real bad
1: yeah i'm just i'm just trying to think because so spot ups his spot up numbers last season were were really good he like hit hit any wide open threes to the extent that he got them he was hitting those at a great rate but like you know this is kevin walker this is the guy you get because of the step backs and like he's you know he's He's you want it to be ideally what he's always been, which is like poor man, Steph Curry, you know, poor man's uh, Dame Lillard, um, which means, you know, creation out on the perimeter. He's not, you know, he's not just standing there waiting to be passed the ball. So I my my biggest thing this season and I'm already starting to think about it is like, how do they how does Tibbs and how does the Nick organization kind of find this gray area where you're still trying to utilize Kemba for the things that Kemba has always done, but you're not pushing that envelope too much. And you're still trying to make sure you get him, you know, enough opportunities off ball that he's not pressing too hard. Do you, That's, that's my fanciful dream at that point. Do you think that is pie in the sky stuff? I'll, I'll, you I mean, know, the Celtics tried
3: to do that a bunch last season.
1: Like it, um, it didn't, didn't work out
3: nah so they were like right then we're gonna limit your isolation play we don't want you doing no step backs as much because it's putting strain on the knee okay. so what we want instead is we're gonna ask you to um catch off a dri- come off a dribble handoff and just fire straight off that screen or dribble over the screen and then come pull up for the free or hit the pass if you are penetrating we don't want you to risk that knee as often so yep. we want you to either dish or we want you to go up and under so they did kind of Negate some of that scoring. You did still see the the mid range step back that everybody loves from Kemba, but it was far less than what we'd seen the year before. So to me, it did it did seem like there was a shot selection that the Celtics liked Kemba taking because okay. of the phys- because of the lower physical strain, and then there were shots they didn't like him taking because of the in- increased physical strain. But it, it's so easy to be like to ask a guy to do that and then put him in a game situation and then he has to give up a shot that he's super comfortable with. Like, um, you could see sometimes it would get frustrating for Kamba because if he wants that step back mid-range he, he and he can't have that, when well now he's re- he has to kind of process through that and then look what he can do elsewhere. And it just slows down the flow of the game a lot. Like, it becomes quite disjointed.
1: You're asking a guy to go against the instincts he's had since he was probably, I don't know, yeah. what, eight years old? I have no exactly, idea. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I mean, the 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 most encouraging thing that I've found so far is... So, obviously, he didn't have a training camp last season. He missed the first 11 games, came back, struggled shooting immensely in those in his first 10 games back, and we could even push it a little further than that. But if you take away those first 10 games, and you just – I think it's – there was 30 – because he played 43. So, yeah, 33 games left. His effective field goal percentage on the year, not counting the playoffs, which were a disaster, his effective field goal percentage for the year was – was I think it was like 54.3. It was like really good. It, it would have been the highest of his career. So, I feel like – I mean, you tell me, it seems like he, he, the numbers say he was hitting shots. Is that, is that accurate?
3: Yeah, I mean, he was he definitely hitting shots consistently as well through the season. Like I say, the bad games came after the back-to-backs. Okay. And I think that from a Celtics standpoint, a lot of people believe that Celtics lost some games they should be winning because they had to sit Kemba. And that was where the frustration came in more than his play because at times he, was, he did hit shots. As a a scoring guard, he was doing his job. It's just he wasn't available enough. And when you're paying a guy $30 million and you're finishing eighth seed or whatever it was, my mind's gone. Because he's missed so many games, then that was where the frustration came more than his actual play.
1: Did you feel like the fact that he was in and out of the lineup so much was a... I I know they there were... It seemed like there were several hurdles for last season's Boston Celtics. Obviously, the COVID issues. It seemed like behind the scenes. I mean, we don't need to get into a whole thing right now, but there, it seemed like there was some stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, that's
3: fair. <laughs> it
1: seems fair to say. Um, but, did, but in addition to those things, did you feel like the, the him being in and out of the lineup was an issue that they
3: – was a significant issue, basically, in terms of them gelling as a team? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you've got your starting guard, an all-star level point guard that can't play back-to-backs in a season where back-to-backs are more at a premium than they've ever been in any time in NBA history. What
1: did they do when he, when he didn't play those games? So, they, obviously, Smart was always in the starting lineup when he was healthy,
3: right? Uh, yeah, I mean, pretty much. But generally, the, the ideal starting five would have been last year. It would have been like um, probably Campbell Walker, Jalen Brown, yeah, you probably would have put Smart at the two, Jalen at the three, Tatum at the four, and then had Thompson at the five. I think that was the ideal five. So when, when Walker was
1: out, who, who did, was there the same person that went into his spot or that, now that you changed? Were
3: throwing, you're throwing things at the wall and see what Sticks did. You had um, <sighs> Jeff Teague got starts in games. I mean, you, like when do you ever want Jeff Teague to start you, you, in the you, NBA? You, you, you don't, you don't um, want that. Peyton Pritchard was getting starts, but he was exceptional for a rookie. Um, there I, was like, a lot- I like Pritchard there was a lot of chopping and changing around that that point Okay so position. it wasn't
1: so again as you know I am optimistic out the wazoo my my hope is that it becomes a situation where on because I I have to think that they're going to give Walker do the same thing, not play him on back-to-backs. My hope is twofold. One, there's not going to be as many back-to-backs this year. Yeah, <laughs> For one. Um, and two, that uh, Derek Rose is, is comfortable slotting into that spot. Is Derek Rose the exact sort of player that Kemba Walker is? No, obviously he's not. But in terms of like what they would need from Derek in, in, to, to run the offense, I don't think the they're – Put aside the fact that Rose is, is not has never been an off the dribble shooter, but like you know, as a penetrator, as a guy who could get in the teeth of the defense, who could who could who could do some things off the dribble, like they're they're not that different. So I feel like maybe your offense doesn't have to change
3: that much, and that's the difference, right? Like the drop off from Kemba Walker to Marcus Smart. No disrespect to Marcus Smart, in terms of offense, was quite steep. Like you're going from Kemba Walker, an all star guard, to Marcus Smart, the guy that shoots too much like it, it, it's a big change in terms of dynamic, the way you need to play. You can't rely on Marcus the same way you can rely on Kemba. If you've got someone like Derek Rose, and I think this was the thinking behind actually having Jeff Teague versus what Jeff Teague was actually as a player at that point in time, was when Kemba's not there, you have another guy that can dominate the ball, that can set plays, can score, do everything that he needs to do.
1: Is that Jeff? Teague? That's Jeff Teague calling you to complain about the... Um the the just the unfounded harsh criticism here that you're giving
3: him on this podcast. I mean I've re- I released an article saying signing Jeff Teague was a mistake. He never said anything. I think he agreed.
1: <laughs> hey
3: listen that's
1: that's NBA champion
3: Jeff Teague to you and me right now. I mean we- the sun shines on a dog's ass song you listen
1: there were a lot there were a lot of, of Knicks fans that were very upset that they we did not get who were the guys there we wanted there were fans that wanted Jeff Teague before last season. There were fans that um wanted DJ Augustine before last season. I'm not like Alfred Payton was worse than all of those players and several players who are not in the NBA. Are oh, the Celtics
3: fans that want Alfred Payton right now?
1: Not many of them, but there's a few. There's a but, few out there? Well they yeah. listen too bad you lost those sweepstakes to the old the old Phoenix Suns. Um
3: <laughs> <laughs> who just got Cameron Payne on a decent deal that I thought was a a solid, um, solid cost-controlled contract for a guy that was excellent last year.
1: You could argue that was the best value, like non non-star. Con, you know, because you could tell me like Kevin Durant's contract was a, was a great value, which I think in some ways it is because he's could the best play player Kevin in
3: the world. Durant ten billion dollars is a great it, value.
1: Exactly, but for, for even just for
3: the Twitter exchange. <laughs>
1: For what he is, I think the Cameron Payne contract was good. Um, let's let's get back to Cameron a little bit more before we finish up because you're, you're giving me some some great stuff here. I I think at eight million dollars, which is what he's going to be getting paid in each of the next two years, if you can figure out the minutes. With, and the and the sitting and the whole thing where Derrick Rose pops in, you know, on games Walker's not playing. Um, I feel like there is a world where this can work. I f- but but to me, the most important thing is the issue that you just spoke about, which is like how much how much does Kemba trying to figure out still on the fly what he can be physically? How much does that inhibit? his ability to just be a basketball player and does that now maybe get easier for him because he as you said he he just had a season in which he needed to do this and there was you could see there was some uncertainty as he was doing that is that easier for him now um that's the that's the main thing but but then the other part of it is like you know can he still do enough stuff to make it like you're getting a significant upgrade at the point guard position, which putting aside the fact that you or me could be a significant upgrade over Alf Payton. But like, I think there, you know, for this to be a home run for the Knicks, even at $8 million, there does need to be some shades of the old Kemba. Do you think that th- we'll still get those, those looks?
3: So there was a lot of contradictory um, quotes that were coming out of the Boston Celtics organization last year. So if you like Kemba was very vocal on, he was adjusting to not feeling pain, so he was, he, he was coming from the narrative of, hey, I'm used to when, when I make this step back, it hurts. When, I'm, when I sidestep to shoot, it hurts. But now it's not hurting but my brain expects it to. That was Kemba's line of thinking and narrative throughout the majority of last year, adjusting to not being in pain, but expecting to be. okay um, The Celtics, on the other hand, were like, he still gets swollen knees after a game. He's, we're having to manage the knee swelling. We're having to manage the pain. So we were getting very conflicting reports from the player and from the team about what the hell was going on with that knee. Obviously, they shut him down during the playoffs, which makes me believe that what Kemba was saying was less true than what the organization was saying, because otherwise you would play him regardless if you were going to win or lose against the Nets. You still play your $30 million a year point guard. That's just the way things yeah. should go. Yeah. And then, obviously, there was a really good piece in the um, the NY Post. I'm sure you've read it about Kemba's knee issue being degenerative. Having stem cell treatment hasn't fixed it. Maybe that's what they're going to have to do consistently to manage that injury to stop it degenerating more. But at this point in time, I think that knee injury is what it is.
1: I I've I've accepted the fact. Fe- like I know enough about like. <laughs> you know from, from the from the good old days as a personal injury lawyer like I know enough about like injuries to know that like they don't magically just get better like if something's a degenerative issue or something's an arthritic condition or whatever it's it's going to be it's going to linger like that much is, is fine which is why my focus is like but then again I, before I even what I was going to say is my focus is like what can he do physically like on the court and what like how much needs to go into managing the injury. And I think it's impossible to have those conversations without, because those conversations and like how you, like the answers you get from those conversations to me are very different for a player that you're paying $35 million a year than a player you're paying. Exactly. You know, essentially, you know, a little bit less than a quarter of that amount of money but at the same time whether you're playing a guy 35 million dollars 8 million dollars or you know 500 or whatever the league minimum if the guy the guy still needs to be able to help your team and i think at the end of the day if the question is can they do something with kemba to get him in a position where he's helping his team not only in the games that he's playing in but that the games that he's not playing in or like the time that he's not playing, like don't doesn't hurt them. And I think again, the, ro- the Rose being there makes me feel less queasy about that that issue. And it's which brings it back to like, okay, what is going to be on the court? Um, now there's a whole separate conversation of like, does Kembus still think that he has like another, you know, ten years left in him? And I we can't sit here and answer that question, but. I don't know. My assumption would be that Kemba's like, I just want, I want to make the best of like these next two years. But who knows? Maybe, you know.
3: So I'm going to give you some some good news and some bad news. Please, bad news. I I think personally, good news is uh, two pieces of good news. One, he had an exceptionally quick um, development of a partnership with Evan Fournier that was very valuable throughout them two playing together were exceptional um, running a lot of um, nice kind of like variations from pistol sets off the wings and there were always good good value opportunities in terms of scoring opportunities and playmaking the other thing is I think you can get the best way to get close to an elite level Kemba is to keep him on a very strict minutes restriction between 20 and 24 minutes a night. I think that if you can do that, then you're managing the impact on them knees and giving yourself longevity. And obviously the less impact, like once the issues for Boston started, once they scaled that minutes restriction back up to 27 to 30 minutes a game, that's when those knee issues were flaring back up.
1: So before you get to your, your bad news, which I hope I'm I'm praying is not too bad, um, his he af, again after those first 10, ba- 10 games when they ramped him up slowly from the 11th game he played last season until the last game of the regular season, he averaged 33 minutes a game or th-
3: more than 33 minutes, it was like 33.2 yeah, or something. Celtics just had no one, so the idea was to keep him on a low minutes restriction 24 to 28 minutes a game. Okay, then Tatum goes down, then Brown goes down, and they just no need him, and, and you, need the, you need the scoring punch. So they had, to, but they were like, "Hey, the back-to-back, not playing back-to-backs allows us to give you these minutes, and that's great." But in my head, I always kept asking myself, "What would happen if he didn't play those minutes? What would happen if he was on a twenty-four minute a night restriction, and he was more fresh, and there was less pain management, less, um, less impact on that area? Would he be closer to the elite Campbell Walker?" And personally, I believe he would be.
1: So. Real quick, Derek Rose, um, his last season in Minnesota, which Tibbs coached him for the for the first half of that season, averaged um, mostly as a backup, averaged 27 minutes a game. His first season in Detroit, 50 games total, 15 as a starter, the most as a backup, averaged 26 minutes a game. Um last season after the trade uh for the season as a whole, twenty-five point six after he got to New York, um twenty-six point eight, so almost twenty-seven minutes a game. Um and then obviously they tried to uh push him a little bit more in the playoffs, and that's when the the tire blew out. What, was, what did he actually average in the playoffs? He averaged uh he played 175 minutes in five games, um, which is over 30 minutes a night, if my math, very quick math, is correct, which um, I'm sure somebody could fact check me on that. Um, in any case, I think Derek Rose at this point wants to be a 24-minute-a-game 20, player. 22, 24-minute-a-game player. Okay, so if, if Tibbs goes with the traditional... I'm just going to put one point guard on the floor at any one time, then that's a pretty direct path to Kemba Walker playing about 24 minutes a night.
3: And I think you get the best version of Kemba Walker doing that personally. Maybe it's 26, 27 minutes, but it needs to be between that like 24 to 26 minutes a night. Well, just so uh, just so you are managing that knee and especially when it's like, uh, seven games in seven, seven games in 10 days type of stint. Yeah. Managing that knee is going to be the the most important facet in getting the best production from Kemba. The bad news that I was going to say is what was the bad news? Tibbs doesn't like to give small amounts of minutes to people. Yeah, but th- again, yeah, okay. So I'm I'm in the process of writing something about this right
1: now. Traditionally, this is a man who plays his starters into, into the, the ground. ground. He plays his start. I mean, they they had so they had the most used two man lineup. Combination in, in the league, like well, they had the top two minutes getters in the league, so obviously that they, they played a lot together. in Barrett and Randall, Mo, uh, most used three man lineup combination in the league. If you add in Bullock, and they had the second most used four man lineup combination in the league. If you throw in um, Alfred Payton, and they would have had Mitchell Robinson not gotten injured uh, a couple times during the year, their five man unit of of you know Mitch and then Elf Bullock, uh, RJ and and Julius would have. Blown away the second place team in terms of most used five man, um, combination. So, yes, but I think that Derek Rose thing is, is huge here. And I think, whereas there's actually a part of me that wants to be like, well, I kind of actually want to see them on the floor together. And to, because that's, I think you could argue that that's New York's most dangerous, um, Offensive unit includes the two of them. Although we'll see if quickly takes another step up, maybe he, he gets in that conversation. Um, I think Tibbs, because we saw him do this last year, he would stick to the certain plan, and then in the last five minutes of the game, when you know when it's winning time, I'm going to put the five guys on the floor who who are going to give me the best chance to win. So I think maybe we'll get some games where it's like, you know what? Kemba's been really good tonight. Derek Rose is going to be good tonight. Let's put them both out there to close this one out and try to get this win. Other than that, I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's, we'll see, we'll see. I think it's a pretty safe bet that he's just going to go Kemba to Rose to Kemba to Rose and, and have it be like that.
3: And I think that's your best option. I honestly do. Um, and then obviously if you do need the additional ball handling, if Rose is hurt for a period of time or you can always lean on quickly, you're gonna have Fournier there that can operate as a ball handler as well. That's
1: yeah, for the game for the game. Well, we know Rose is not playing seventy-two and we know obviously Kem is gonna sit out back to back. So that's why my low-key, you know, elephant in the room for the summer, who's gonna be the third string point guard? Are they gonna basically you know, I give will that-
3: play as a point guard for no salary, <laughs> just free green cards, free green cards, on <laughs> six foot free. I've got a handle from And One. I will play for you for a year for green cards.
1: I know you're six feet tall, so it's like um no, but the, like you laugh, but like this is an issue now because you got we have a rookie. I don't know how much you pay attention to the next draft. I got this kid Deuce McBride who I'm is- better than
3: Deuce McBride. What's that? I'm better than Deuce McBride.
1: You're better than Deuce McBride. Wow. Not
3: a chance, but no. no this not, is bold, not, not bold word.
1: But you got him, you got Vildoza. Will he, will Vildoza even be on the team? We just signed Dwayne Bacon, Uh, you know, yeah, quickly, you know, making his argument for being a point guard. So I, I think all thing, you know, even, for, well, Fournier, back to Fournier for a second. Fournier can, can run an offense for five minutes, right?
3: Yeah. And when he did run the offense for periods of time, it, it worked. Like it wasn't laborious. It wasn't. Disjointed. It yeah. was very fluid. Like, I'm actually quite high on funny. I think the Celtics lost out there. I, I think that they got a good replacement in Josh Richardson but I still think you've took a step backwards from Evan Fournier well, but Fournier's that- defense isn't at Richardson's, you know it's apples and oranges
1: yeah and, and Fournier shooting obviously and then and we have Alec Burks back uh, Alex Bur- Alec Burks backs, uh, back Alec Burks back see, there times a charm as well um so I I think they're going to be okay filling in the point guard minutes for games. Rose has to miss games. Kemba has to miss. Um, But it's definitely worth, worth paying attention to. Last thing you you did mention um, that Kemba's defense is, is obviously, you know, he gets, he gets targeted. Was, did you feel like,
3: you know, I feel like that's just going to be the case for small, for small guards. Um, It's always the case. The, the, The question is how well are your help defenses drilled? to Scram him out of there when they do get switched on when he does get switched on to a bigger guy. So if, for yeah. me, he Kemba's success on defense is reliant on helpers being very um clued up about when to scram and when to kind of wait for them to beat Kemba and be there as your secondary line of defense.
1: So with with Rose, because Rose is not a good defender either, but like with Rose, <laughs> there's like there's a I mean, he, hasn't been, he wasn't a good defender the first time he was in New York, um, it, but there is a consistency of like. He know like, it's like you you know you're getting beat, but it's like do you funnel the guy where you're supposed to funnel exactly, the guy, so to exactly. speak, and that's what Derrick Rose is able to do. As long as Kemba's kind of able to do that, because the the Knicks, you know, still have Mitchell Robinson. They just signed Nerlens Noel to that to his contract. They just you know, I mean, who knows? You know, at Taj, obviously Taj Gibson is back. So like, you know, t- I think Tibbs is going to feel okay about that, but um. You know, it's yeah, it's another it's another thing to to consider. Um, before I let you go, let's let's make some predictions. Let's put some. I'll bet you. Uh, I'll bet you that the, we're the, very
3: the, good at these predictions. By the, the way, the
1: long-awaited beer that we've—I don't know how many times we've bet this beer that we're going to have for the first time when we when we finally uh, meet in person, um, which remains to be seen whether it's going to be in England or here. Um, which team finishes with a better record next next year?
3: New York. How?
1: You know what? Who am I to disagree? (laughs) I, You know, if I'm being, hold on, if I'm being honest with myself, I think I would be shocked if these two teams were more than a game or two apart.
3: Me too. I think there's just so much, the Celtics are really tough, heavy in talent. And I feel like New York's talent distribution is just that little bit more even, even that'll give them better chance to finish above Boston.
1: This is going to be really interesting because, um, you know, it maybe it didn't quite fully take shape last year, but there is a very real chance that the Atlantic division is going to be the dominant division in the National Basketball Association for, I, I don't know, the foreseeable future. I, I hope we're, we we stick around and be a part of that conversation and things keep going in the right direction. Hopefully.
3: <laughs> um, I mean, it's uh it's day by day for all of us out here doing this basketball um stuff.
1: But it's just it's just wild that the team that's that's quote unquote worst in the division right now is the one with Masayu Jerry heading it up, and they just, just drafted a potentially generational point guard. So, um, you know, uh, or no, sorry, they I keep thinking they got Suggs. I don't know why I my in my head the Raptors will always have drafted Suggs, and it's not I'm not accepting the fact that they took Scotty Barnes instead, which I like Scotty Barnes, but like I mean,
3: just, if Orlando feel like Suggs is going to be their next big point guard, then I would happily do a deal to bring Cole Anthony to Boston.
1: You like Cole Anthony?
3: I like Cole Anthony. I think he's good. I think he could be quite very quite quite good.
1: It's funny, if you told me Peyton Pritchard wound, wound up being the better player, I wouldn't be shocked. Peyton Pritchard is elite. He's <laughs> <No>. elite.
3: <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking there. The dude no, does man. have he, range. He, he had a,
1: I didn't watch the summer league game, but I saw he, he had a really good game, right?
3: Yeah, but it's summer league. Well, it's, you, know you know what I mean? But it, like he he's got even in the NBA, he like he was making shots from the logo. Like he he you oh, just and- Wherever he pulls up for free from, you're, you're not. It never feels like it's too far.
1: Trust me, I, I, I. There were a few memories I had from our our games that we played you guys last year, and Peyton Pritchard having nice performances is one of the he's, is he's one he's of the takeaways. Good.
3: He's very good. Um very is very good.
1: As an aside, la- very last thing. I've been watching like Kemba clips of. Uh, I've, I've watched like all of his assists from like April this morning. That was my that was my homework today. Jalen Brown throws down some fucking yams, man. Oh, dude, the guy just
3: leaps, dude.
1: He, but like, and like comes down from above into the basket, often with a a human in the position. He can
3: get up, dude. Did you ever see that one? About two years ago, he made a dunk and he slipped off the rim and landed on his head. Um, I
1: vaguely recall that, yeah.
3: Like, and he stopped dunking for a while because I think he was just like, "Hey, I might as well just lay up." But now, like, now it's like ridiculous level dunks. Some of them are just like you feel sorry for the defender that's underneath him.
1: But it's just like his his two footed like leaping ability is. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. He's Um, really,
3: really good at his athleticism is ridiculous, man.
1: It's it's insane. Um, yeah, you guys got some. A couple of really good players and um, a lot of bad <laughs> players. <laughs> Inis Cantor, baby, shout out to Inis Cantor.
3: And Inis Cantor's going to give you ten and ten a night. He's just going to give That's up great. ten as well, so you know you get ten.
1: <laughs> Crazy that Portland didn't bring him back. All right, this has been—we've <laughs> gone off the rails again. Um, this has been fun uh adam taylor tell the folks
3: at home where they can find you you can find me at dot on their podcast uh celtics blog podcast anything titled celtics pod because i'm super creative that will have my voice on there if you like to listen to the english horribleness that is my voice uh you can find me on twitter at adam taylor MBA, same on instagram same on youtube but as usual please make sure you support mac Reed that i didn't know until today was a personal injury lawyer so that means to me that, that from now on, the intro should this, to this show should be, have you ever been uh, traumatized by a terrible Nick's performance? Please call <laughs> 1-800-MACRI. That's 1-800-MACRI. Can I add on top of that, that if you'd like to check out some footage, <laughs> some archived footage of John Macri as a personal injury lawyer, just YouTube's free. That's all I'm going to say. Do the
0: research and you'll be fine.
1: <laughs> well, this, this show, this show did not end the way I was expecting. Um, everybody out there, thanks for checking out another episode of the show.
3: <laughs> we'll be back with you before you know it. That's one eight hundred mastery.